0: Welcome to Unearthing You, a place where women come together to have honest, raw, and deep conversations about the things that happen as you're going through growth, up-level, and expansion. I am your host, Chelsea Sillabon, bringing you a beautiful rendition of my love. Enjoy! Hello and welcome back to yet another amazing episode of the Unearthing You podcast. For those of you who have tuned in before, welcome back. And for those of you that this is your first time listening, welcome to the first episode for you. Um, Before we get started, I just wanted to remind you of a few things. Um, The first thing is that you have a chance to win a 45-minute One-on-one coaching session with me simply by leaving a ratings and review on Apple Podcasts. It is not only going to fill me up with gratitude and love, but it's also gonna help this itty bitty podcast reach more people and um, so that they can find more value with it. So the last chance to enter to win is going to be on Monday, December 9th, and then I'm gonna be announcing the episode on Monday, December 16th. So Make sure you tune in um, on December 16th if you left a readings and review, and I have extended the deadline a little bit um, to that first Monday or that following Monday just because I will be at a retreat this weekend and I will not be able to... um, I will not have like a lot of access to my computer, so I'm going to have to get this episode um, for next week ready, and so I just wanted to give you more of a chance to enter to win. So you enter to win by leaving a ratings and review on Apple Podcasts, and um, yeah, so head on over there if you want to be entered to win the 45-minute one-on-one session with me and um devoted beauty is open for enrollment it is officially open um the early bird special is going until tuesday december 3rd at eleven fifty nine 59 p.m pacific time so if you schedule a connection call before then then i will um then i will honor the pricing and um so you with the early bird pricing In the extended early word pricing, you are getting $200 off plus an extra bonus one-on-one session with me within the program. So the program is a 10-week online program plus a retreat in person, and I am just so excited to be offering it. It was a co-creation with the universe and with my heart, and I'm just excited for it to, to be here and sharing it with all of you. So it's really for the women who's ready to be in devotion to herself and her vision and her voice and who really just wants to find and be an expression of the beauty that life has to offer and the beauty that exists within her. It's really about tuning you into your own, your own beauty and your own devotion for yourself. Um... And without further ado, let's get started in talking about Chelsea Quint so that we can jump into this episode because it's amazing. So Chelsea is a writer, transformational coach, yoga teacher, and speaker who has dedicated her life to helping visionary women and men go from surviving to thriving in life, love, and a business so they can fall in love with their reality and achieve their highest potential. Her big heart and refusal to be limited by what's realistic is grounded in a masterful understanding of manifestation, energetics, and the way of the human mind and nervous system. Her use of self-healing practices like meditation, EFT, embodiment practice, intuitive eating, and chakra work provides a clear, actionable approach to success, well-being, and happiness. Um, yeah. So, first, it's interesting and fun that I'm recording an episode with Chelsea, because, um, because Chelsea, and Chelsea's my name, Chelsea's her name, I knew so many Chelsea's growing up, and we were talking about this before, how we knew so many Chelsea's growing up, and then as we entered into adulthood, we didn't really know as many Chelsea's, and so it was fun to just, like, connect with another Chelsea, um, Anyways, I digress. Um, she's amazing. Go follow her on Instagram and on Facebook. She's always offering like free trainings and so many things, and they're always amazing and wonderful. So go and listen to her. She is an amazing person, an amazing friend, and sister, and I'm so, so excited to have her here. Anyways, without further ado, let's hop in to this week's episode. <laughs> Hello. Today we have Chelsea Quint with us, Chelsea Q, or just Chelsea, however you want to say it. Um, <laughs> she is such a dear friend of mine, and um, I would. Say we did a group program together, and I wouldn't say that we connected in the group program, but when we met in person, there were definitely some some connections there. And so it was just it's just amazing to reconnect with her in this space and in this energy. So welcome to the podcast, Chelsea.
1: Thank you, love. Thank you so much for having
0: me. Yes, of course. Um, so I always like to start with asking my guests, "What are you unearthing in your life?"
1: So right now, as we record this, um, we're at the start of the like holiday season, right? And it's interesting for me, as someone who I mean, I think all of us, like, who has a picture perfect family history. I haven't met really any of them. But as someone who has a particularly imperfect family history, um, this time of year is always, like, it's got a lot of brambles and cobwebs and, like, crunches and pieces of, like, tension and pain and wounding. Um, And in the past, right, it's also a time where, like, a lot of the indulgences that we turn to to numb out when we're in pain right like binge drinking shopping numbing out with netflix just avoiding things right going inside going inward um are like more prevalent so right now i think the big thing that i'm unearthing is really taking a, a deeper look at what i'm avoiding mm-hmm. right And so looking at like when i have the tendency to be like okay i really like I want a glass of wine at the end of the day. Like what's going on when I'm getting ready to like prepare for the holidays and feeling stressed about it or like wanting to throw money at like buying gifts for everybody. Like what's happening there? Am I trying to fill a wound? Is it really coming from like a really me juicy, beautiful place? Um, so I think for me, a lot of what I'm unearthing is based in this season of where are the old wounds around? Like, and get what I needed when I was a little kid growing up with the holidays and it was always kind of a funky time I'm really trying to be more conscious about how those wounds manifest in like funky patterns and symptoms in my life and do things differently do things in a way that are ultimately more nourishing
0: yeah no that's that is absolutely beautiful. And I feel like especially during the holiday season, we we all, we tend to just numb out on just anything and everything we can get our hands on because we don't want to deal with what, what the holidays bring up for us, whether it's that we lost a loved one or that, you know, we are around family members that, like, trigger us to the extreme or whatever it may be. Yeah, so that is just – so beautiful, so relevant, and, um, yeah, thank you for, thank you for sharing that.
2: Absolutely.
0: Wow. So, oh, so remember the, like, connecting with you, so at this live event that Chelsea and I met at, um, I walked up to the microphone. We had a men's panel at the event. It was all women at this event, and a men's panel. And I walked up to the microphone and I said, "You know, I just don't feel like I chose my husband. I feel like there was a part of me that that chose him in some like past version of me, but this version of me didn't choose him. And so we kind, of, I kind of just like went through this like breakdown process. That's what I've been going through for the past couple months. And Chelsea walked up to me afterwards and was like, "You know." I I've been through this. I've experienced it, whatever that might look like. And um, so I was just hoping, Chelsea, that you could share a little bit about your story and your relationship, whatever you choose to share.
1: Oh, I'm an open book. I just told you I had like overexpressed throat chakra. Um, <laughs> no, it's not it's not overactive anymore. We've 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 tampered things down a bit. Yeah. Um, so. Where do we begin? Where do we begin? Um, so I am presently married. Um, and have been married, uh, we celebrated our third anniversary in September, so for three years. And uh it's been and we've been coupled for five ish years. I should probably remember this better. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've been whatever, we've been together for like five years or something. Um and known each other for 10 years, known each other for about a decade. Um, And when we got together, (laughs) real talk, never (laughs) said this publicly on the internet before. um, I, when I, so my husband's name is Jonathan. um, And when he and I first met, there's some like, hilarious and like highly inappropriate, like, (laughs) Nothing about the ways that we met indicated that like we should be happily married. <laughs> we met as like degenerate party kids. Mm. Like yeah. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Um, but there was totally from like the first when we met ten years ago, this like attraction and there was this little right like and when you're you know 19 and like when I was nineteen, like I was numbing with like every possible like substance and behavior. Oh, yeah. Like I was in you know, a very different place in my life 10 years ago. So we were like partying and doing drugs and drinking. And frankly, I was never a good party kid. I'd always be like, cool, it's 1030. Are we done with the drugs? I'm going to bed. People were like, you're weird. Um, So even when I was the cool party kid, I was not the cool party kid. Um, Jonathan very much was though, but there was definitely this like attraction. And my now sister-in-law predicted our marriage, like, years ago, from the get-go, she was like, okay, you guys either need to, like, fuck, can I swear? Yeah. Okay, all right. She's like, you guys either need, I'm like, I did, so she's like, you guys either need to, like, fuck or just, like, give up, because, like, this is really annoying. (laughs) We did not, nothing of the sort, but she was, like, (laughs) apparently she picked up on something, but anyway, um, there was, like, definitely an attraction, but then, however, whatever, five years later, or so five years ago, um, I was, I'd recently left New York, dropped out of grad school, given up this like whole identity. I was in a big like identity shift. Who am I? What am I doing? Quarter life crisis kind of vibe. Um, Which is actually like the greatest gift and like so fabulous and all the things. Um, But I had moved back to Tallahassee, Florida and was dating a Scorpio. God help me. I'm a Scorpio. Um, I, I have a Scorpio moon. Like, I actually love Scorpios, but he was just, like, so intense and, like, overly romantic. I don't think he will ever hear this, but if he does, like, he's a lovely dude. He's absolutely fantastic. And I was, like, I couldn't handle it. He was, like, way too obsessed with me, honestly, in, like, a Scorpio way. So, anyway, I really needed to not be in that relationship. And so, my sister, my husband's a chef my sister was working at the restaurant where my husband, my now husband was working. And uh, he learned that I'd moved back to town and started asking my sister about me. So one day she's like, dude, guess who's been asking about you? And there was this like interesting, like self-sabotage, like don't be emotionally mature and actually like break up with your boyfriend and then start flirting with someone else. 25-year-old Chelsea had, you know, she had her her, her quirks. Um, but I, or 24, I don't know how old I was, but 23, I guess. I was 23. It's reasonable at 23. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I went to go look and see, like, do I have this kid's number? Like, do I have Jonathan's number? Cause like, we used to know each other. I did. And so I texted him, we started texting, and I got into this relationship 40% because I was like, there was a spark there. I'm kind of curious. 60% because I was like, this sounds like a reasonable excuse to break up with my boyfriend. <laughs> so I broke up with my boyfriend, started seeing Jonathan. Um, and like on again, off again, things were like very messy. We were both in a big, he was in a phase of like a lot of pain, a lot of addiction, a lot of like dark shit um and i was too asterisk my dark shit tends to be expressed as like workaholism and perfectionism though so i was i'm a very high functioning dark person him i mean not even not as much but like when you work in the restaurant industry it is what it is
0: right
1: so things were tumultuous whatever but eventually like we realized like okay there's something real here um And we honestly connected in a way of like, we, we connected in a space of feeling like I had never had someone see all of my like brokenness and dark bits and funky bits and screwed up pieces and like felt safe sharing that and just being like, yeah, this is me. I'm like really messed up and I'm kind of figuring it out. And I don't know. I don't know. And we both had this moment of feeling like we could both kind of be broken and accepted for it very early on in our relationship. And I'm not honestly sure that it was a really comforting experience in terms of developing a healthy relationship dynamic. I'm not really sure how much that set us up for success. Um, And it very much was like a very close, it very much was like a trauma bonding kind of experience of like oh you've got big trauma oh you played this role in your family me too big bond so fast forward whatever there was drama not that important um <laughs> uh, but fast forward a couple years later we get married um and that year was actually the year that uh i decided to become a coach decided to start my own business I had been teaching yoga for probably nine months or so, and then decided to like quit my job, do all the things. So we got married September, 2016. I left my job, had my last day at my job about two weeks later. Um, Yeah, (laughs) so like new baby business, new baby marriage. Um, He was working like his first job as a head chef at a very like successful one of like the premier restaurants in the town we were living in working nonstop like it was there was a lot happening um and then so in 2017 i officially like started taking on clients started my business had a lot of my own dark nights of the soul that i think a lot of entrepreneurs i mean don't talk about frankly i realized like oh a lot of my self-worth and connection and human interaction has come from working a regular job hmm And now that I don't have that, I turned so much to my husband to be like, fill this void, fill this void. I feel empty. And he couldn't and was working. And so there were a lot of pickups. There was the money stuff of like, I was making money. I actually like, I worked very hard and like did start making about a thousand to $2,000 a month fairly quickly. Um, worked very hard to make that happen and was, like, so burned out and had way too many clients, but I was doing it. um, And so, like, the beginning of 2017 happened in that way. We're getting to the juicy part, don't worry. Beginning (laughs) of 2017 happened in that way. And then uh, in April of 2017, one day I was sitting in a coffee shop waiting for a client to come. She was a couple minutes late. So I opened up my personal email to check it and I got my dad's suicide note. And obviously like my dad and I had a very complicated relationship, but we were really, really close. Um, And so there was obviously like a lot, like, whoa, new marriage. We were, had been married for six, eight months. And uh, then my dad died, and I was trying to run a new business, new coaching business. And I, in many ways, am very proud of the way that I handled the aftermath of my dad's death. Um, I was the executive of his estate, so dealt with all the legal crap and like his apartment, whatever. Um, and the full brunt of my pain I projected so much onto my husband, Mm. onto my partner. And already, right, you can hear in this question of, going back to the theme of you saying, I feel like I, the me I am now, didn't choose my husband. You can imagine, right? I'm starting a new business. I'm quitting a job. I am becoming a wife. I'm now, my dad's dead. Like there's so many changes of who I became. And, like, the deepening of my spiritual growth happened at this point. Anyway, there was a lot of change. Fast forward, that happened in April. In August of 2017, my husband and I were really struggling, just nitpicking at each other. And, like, we were – I could feel, like, we're killing each other. We are Mm -hmm. killing our relationship by, like, being in the same space. Like, it was really, really, really toxic. Um – and we never like we never got abusive with each other but we were just like he wouldn't come home because he didn't want to talk to me and I would get like send 15 angry text messages and call him a thousand times like and just that kind of like I would be like berating him and enraged and he would just shut down which would make like communication was just completely dissolved so I made the choice to move out to give us just kind of a like you have a safe space to feel like calm and safe and okay i have a safe space to feel calm and safe and okay we're not separating made that very clear but like we're gonna take some like give ourselves physical space to feel safe in and because of the way things were so ruptured he felt very like left abandoned felt like i was giving up on him in his words um And about the day that I moved out, the day after, uh, he started cheating on me um, Mm. with someone he worked with. I found out probably from a friend of a friend, because we lived in a fairly small town, a week or so later. um, And then that affair continued August through December-ish of 2017. And in hindsight, honestly, that time in my life was like, we were talking about self-trust before we started hitting record. Like the way that I moved through that is perhaps the thing I'm most proud of in my entire life. Mm. It was hard as hell. I spent a lot of time in bed. There was a lot of snot. There was a lot of crying. Like there was definitely too much champagne drank. And I'm really, really proud of the relationship that I built with myself
2: Mm. in that time.
1: Um, and throughout, like, we were in therapy the whole time. We kept were still talking on and off. Like, it was messy. It was ugly. It was dramatic. It was a small town. Like, there was a lot of drama that happened. And ultimately, we got to a point where we were able to talk to one another and be vulnerable and real and get under all the hurt mm-hmm. from the past year. And ultimately decided like, okay, we started by deciding like, all right, who we are now is really different than who we were a year ago when we got married and three years ago when we got together and we're not done yet. And so essentially the way I really look at it is that like, the way I see it is my first marriage did fail and we've rebuilt another one. We never got divorced i'm with the same person i was married to but uh the marriage we have now bears no resemblance to the marriage that we uh first entered into that's not entirely true we're still ridiculous and silly and he cooks for me but very very few big significant pieces so that's the story that's the long and short of it
0: yeah no that's beautiful thank you um Yeah, I feel like in a lot of ways, there's a lot of parallel, because when I had this, like, realization that, like, I didn't choose my husband, it's because we had, we, at the time of this recording, we're approaching, like, a year of marriage, Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of shame, a lot of guilt about, like, why am I feeling this way towards my husband, like, we literally just got married, we literally just said I do, and I'm sitting here, crying because I don't feel like I chose him but I I did in a lot of ways and so there was just like this big like breakdown and downfall but um a lot of this came about in the same way of like I realized I hated my job it was time to leave um right be like a month before we got married I threw it at him I'm I'm leaving my job at the end of the school year I am leaving teaching and there was no—I didn't open it up for discussion. It was a decision that I had to make for myself. Um, but because it was—it was kind of like this wounded child kind of approach to it. It was just like, "I'm doing it. You have no say. So like, there's no discussion. You just need to support me or leave." To kind of attitude. Um, you know that didn't really help our ability to communicate with each other. And then, I was investing money, a lot of money, racking up credit card debt, not telling him about it. Like there was just a lot of lack of communication on my end and also on top of that like not like allowing myself to communicate to him like the ways that I was growing and what I was experiencing how it was what I was going you know there's just like so much stuff and so I was just going through this big change and up level and I feel like it all like came to the like the front line when I actually left my job and we went to our honeymoon and our honeymoon was amazing and beautiful and I wouldn't trade it for anything but then when we got back from our honeymoon it was like okay reality is here you quit your job now you need to start making money and now we need to like start doing something and there was just this like self-inflicted pressure plus this pressure of the marriage and then this just like I've changed so much whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so like I, in a lot of ways, I feel that there's overlap in our stories. Um, And then in a lot of ways, not, but that's, that's the way of human life, right? We, we bond through our commonalities and we learn through our differences and that's just beautiful. And what I really want to hear more about is like, you know i know going through this myself of like really feeling like the downfall of our marriage for about like two months mine was about a two month period and we were learning to communicate and like hold on there's well you know what there's sirens in the back just deal with it whatever yeah um yeah but we just had like the, the couple months of like downfall And in that time, I also built a pretty strong relationship with myself because I had, I was no longer relying on him to fill the voids of what I wasn't getting from my job and from all this, that, and the other, whatever, right? And so I'd love to hear more about how you built a relationship with yourself through that dark period because I feel like that just speaks volumes to like this ability to when we are present with ourselves and we allow ourselves to be in our emotions rather than judging them and forcing them away, that beautiful things can emerge and things can really shift in our lives. So,
2: yeah,
1: man, so much of, uh, like it really, when I list out all the details, cause there are like some additional pieces of just ridiculousness of like how It's like almost comical how painful and bad things got. Um, Because at that point, right, like at the same time, I think honestly to the same day, I don't remember exactly, but I found out that my parents were split. My parents have been split for a long time. But I found out that my mom was telling her extended family that I like was manipulating her out of money and trying to turn people against me. And there was a lot of drama there. And my mom and I had a very tumultuous relationship for a long time. It was a long time coming that I set a boundary of not having her in my life, but it was to the day that my husband first cheated on me that I made the active decision of like, my mom's not in my life anymore. So, I moved out, was living in a family member's home that they didn't, like, I was living alone in a family member's home that they, like, weren't living in, um, not speaking to my mom, not really speaking to my husband, kind of ashamed to talk to any of my friends, because that's one of the things of, like, the, whether or not there's cheating involved, relationship breakdown carries with it a lot of shame. And judgment, whether it's judgment of him or judgment of you or judgment of both through your failures or like whatever the stories are, so there was that shame of like not wanting to talk to anyone about it, as well as the drama of like there's an affair happening, and we live in a small town, and like everyone knows, and so whenever I go into like a bar or coffee, people are like,
2: "Oh, there's Chelsea! Wow, she's
1: cheating!" So all of that was honestly and the fact that I didn't have a job at that point like I was running a coaching business but I actively stopped taking on clients because I was like yo my bandwidth right now like I served the clients that I had um like ongoing but I had scaled back significantly when my dad died because my dad died um and then as all of this layered on it was a really just so much of the like human interaction pretty much all of the human interaction i had right had been stripped away mm. i moved out of cohabitating with someone had a big break in my primary relationship stopped speaking to my mother who lived in the same town my sister lives in australia on the other side of the world my family was all pissed at me because of my dad drama whatever so i didn't talk to them and i was ashamed to some extent, to talk to my friends. The friends who I was comfortable talking with were like, fuck your husband, he's a dick, go leave him, boy, bye. I'm like, yes, and he's my husband and I still love him, and we're still talking and we're getting through it and we don't know what it is yet. Like, um, like, yeah, he's being a dick. And I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was very much this like perfect storm of, Chelsea is alone. And I really, um, like the beginning phases, cause it was about five months ish. Yeah. About five months. The beginning phases were very much a lot of what I think we tend to do. Most people tend to do when we have a problem of like, let me fix it. What are the action steps I can take? How can I tangibly like try to talk to him or try to talk to other people and get everyone's advice or like find a therapist or throw money at the problem or throw this at the problem or go into old manipulative patterns that you've picked up from funky just like whatever? Um, or turn to the numbing behaviors of mm-hmm. like let's binge drink, let's eat, let's watch Netflix, let's shop, let's whatever. Um, and I danced with like, yeah, a lot of my old patterns and like trying to either numb out from the problem or solve the problem and as that was not working um i was also in a space where i had had some very profound like spiritual awakenings and spiritual shifts in these whatever up levels whatever whatever we want to call them um And so I'd similarly been in the practice of like investing in myself. So I actually um, at that point was already working with a woman who's like now one of my very best friends who had hired as a business coach. We literally just talked about my marriage (laughs) for four months. That was it. Um, And now we're like very best friends. So it was perfect and it was great. Um, So I had her, I had a therapist um like the amount of support i had is like actually kind of unreal it just was all support that guided me back to myself so i hired a spiritual counselor who specializes in like childhood sexual abuse recovery which is part of my background i had a spiritual counselor i had my therapist i did group therapy once a week with my therapist i had my business coach i had a dope massage therapist Angel, energy worker, alien who's not <laughs> even really human. She's great. Um, so I had, oh, and I, that's when I was learning tapping as well, emotional freedom technique. So I was doing mentorship with my uh, tapping teacher. Um, and we started on first, like the first practice of learning how to tap and hold space for someone else is you healing your own stuff. Mm-hmm. So I had truly just like an insane amount of paid support but support nonetheless um and so once I got through that moment of like let me try this let me try that I have to try this maybe I can manipulate him and say that maybe I could do this and like all of the trying to take action to solve it and got into the like okay I'm just tired now like I just feel broken and alone and sad and miserable and scared and I was, would just be like okay And it really, I remember it super consciously was because I wasn't seeing clients. I finished with clients. I kept teaching yoga classes. So I was teaching yoga classes. I taught three, four times a week. So I would teach my four classes every week. And then I'd go to these different sessions or do these different sessions online. And like, that was it. I went from like bed to teaching at the yoga studio to sessions back to bed to the bathtub back to bed um and in a way that like for one i was very privileged in that i wasn't paying rent i was living with a family member like that was available for me um but for two because partially because it was available because of the circumstances because of a lot of different things like i was able to treat myself like i was really really sick and wounded Because I was, right? Like when someone gets a cancer diagnosis, we're not like, whoa, 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 why aren't you working? What are you doing? Right? We're like, "Or how are you taking care of yourself? Are you taking time off? Like we, there's a different reaction versus when someone's in great emotional distress, there's not the same mindset around it. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And so essentially the practice of like how did I do this I was alone other than a few hours a week of being at yoga classes and working with these facilitators who most of what these facilitators did was like ask me questions about what was going on with me so it was more self-reflection so like and I had a meditation practice and I'd been teaching yoga for a year so like I did a lot of the tools. Like I tapped with myself. I did journaling. Like this is where I learned so much of the nervous system work, the trauma recovery work, the embodiment work that I teach now in a lived sense. Mm-hmm. Cause I literally was like, okay, how do I t- make myself feel good enough to feel like I'm not going to die today and I can go show up and teach people yoga. How do I make myself feel good enough to get out of bed and eat food? Because, like, that's the level. I was in so much pain. I talk about it very casually now, but, like, my dad, who was my best friend, committed suicide. I wasn't speaking to my mom. My husband was cheating on me, and none of my friends got it. I was really, really hurting. In some moments, it was, like, okay, I'm breathing right now. That means I'm not dead taken another breath. Mm-hmm. What can you do in this moment to feel one degree better? And progressively it got to a point where like, I started being able to go back to yoga classes myself and practice like not just sobbing at my own house, but like get back and be like, okay, there's a class at 10, get your butt out of bed, get to the class that's at 10. And those little, if it's get your butt on your mat at your house and breathe, Sit yourself in bed and breathe, put on a guided meditation and do the meditation. Even if you cry all the way through it, like as long as you are moving toward one degree better, one degree better and giving yourself the space and the quiet to really like listen, like what do you need to go one degree better? Cause that's the other piece is these times of great emotional turmoil that was a big sentence these times of great emotional turmoil (laughs) um but these those times right can become a time where like we get overwhelmed with like everyone wants to solve the problem of like have you tried this have you tried that and that like advice overwhelm Mm -hmm. and so being able for me partially because i was ashamed like a plus side to the shame but partially because eventually i was just like yo i'm tired of listening to people like Um, but being able to turn the volume down and set boundaries and request like, Hey, what I need from you is space. What I need for you is just to listen and not try to solve my problem.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So, yeah.
0: Yeah. That's huge. I feel, you know, I mean, there's so many different branches that we could go off from here, but I just feel like, you know, when I felt alone. During that time, because I didn't know who to talk to, I had a coach, like a relationship coach, and I would just like get on there and like voice message her, this is what I'm feeling, like blah, 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 blah. And that was like the extent of the support that I was allowing myself to like see in front of me because I was like, there's like people just don't understand. I'm not sitting here saying he's a bad person or that he's really doing anything wrong. Like, we've both done done things that, you know, that we could have improved on and, um, whatever, but like hearing the advice of like, Oh, he's just a dick. You need to leave or blah, 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 whatever the the case may be. Like, it's not productive for the person who's going through the pain. And so what I want to offer the audience, like, you know, we've, I've said things like that in the past to somebody who was like going through a breakup, like, Oh yeah, like he's a dick. You deserve better. But it's like, at the same time, when we learn how to really like hold space for the person, and if they're not asking for what they want, like we're pa- like learn how to pause and ask them, well, what do you need from me right now? Instead of just like assuming that what they need is to hear hear you say this, that, or the other, maybe they really just need somebody to listen to them, and that's like a huge part of of vulnerable communication to me is is learning how to set boundaries when you are going into a conversation especially one that's going to be intense saying like hey I want to talk to you about something do you have the space to hold for me Mm
2: -hmm.
0: yes okay let's sit down and talk about it for 10 minutes and then after 10 minutes we can go and do something else and resume whatever or like really setting that container so that you feel really nourished and loved within that space so that you're not so that it doesn't turn into an un an unproductive conversation, and when you feel it like to start to to like wash away like the boundaries start to wash away, learn how to bring it back to the boundaries like setting boundaries is an art because you are you are learning to communicate in a way that feels really good to you while also honoring the other person because I feel like so much of the communication that we um that I see people engage in is, is like, this is my boundary, and I'm not going to honor you, mm-hmm. you know, like, vulnerable communication is learning how to set a boundary, and hearing the other person's boundaries, and seeing how they can mesh together, even when they seem to be opposing, mm-hmm. um, so it's, it's a big, it's an art, and, um, it's important, that was, one of the biggest ways that i've learned to communicate with my husband we've learned to open that door of communication through this boundary setting and he's i'm still learning it he's still learning it and it's like this dance of like okay do you have the space to hold for me no you want to watch tv for the next 30 minutes okay after 30 minutes can can we can you like stop watching tv because i really need to talk about this Mm -hmm. you know like Yeah, so just really allowing yourself to be present with what it is that you need, and if you don't know how to express it, then, or if the person talking doesn't know how to express it, rather, then you can learn how to ask, what is it that you need from me, or can I offer you my advice, my opinion, Um, and not jumping straight into judgment of the other person, because that's not productive for either person, like for anybody involved, so. That's my my two cents into that little
2: piece there. (laughs) Beautiful.
1: Well, I think to give it, like, kind of a framework, right, is essentially that what you're talking about is almost, like, if you think about it, it, it's almost like how can you zoom out of the content of the communication, the content of the conversation, and zoom out so that you can see the process, right? And so, What I mean by that is, right, the process involves, like, the setting of the boundaries and the creating the container, right? What's the process of the conversation? The process involves statements like, what I need from you is. What do you need from me? Can I offer X, Y, Z? And so often, where so much of communication gets derailed is, Chelsea, you know this about me, like, I love the neuroscience behind it and, like, the nervous system thing, is that as soon as you get triggered or your partner gets triggered or your best friend or your mom or your dad or whoever gets triggered, they are acting from a pre-programmed nervous system response. That is not their highest self from a spiritual or a neurological perspective talking to you. And when you're able to like zoom out and have a conversation instead of saying like, you always this, blah, blah, blah. Why can't you this? You never support me. in talking about the content of the conversation, you can like zoom out and have a conversation about the process. So like it gets you the practice of being able to communicate effectively. You guys can like co-create the conversation together. It's just a really, a good way to kind of like neutralize the charge by zooming out and being like, look, I feel us getting really triggered what I'm seeing is this, what I need is this. How can we get, make that happen? What do you need? Like zooming into a process conversation instead of a content conversation. Mm, Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, that totally makes sense. And I, um, (laughs) my inner little girl loves to come out when I'm in communication with my husband and we get triggered. She's like, throws the temper tantrum and is, like, in your face and gets very angry, which I'm sure, like, some people are like, I can't even picture that in you because I've just created this whole new persona about, like, how I interact with people, but um, when you, when you get into that triggered state, it takes a lot of practice to allow yourself to like zoom out of the conversation. So like you're talking to us after like months or years of practicing this and it's easy it's easier said than done and I just want to like offer that here and I don't want you like to think that you're doing anything wrong if you're not communicating in this way or if you still go into a conversation triggered or whatever like where you're at right now, there's always room for growth, no matter where you are. And so just allow yourself to be there and don't make yourself wrong. Don't make your partner wrong. And just try to hold as much love within your being as you possibly can and bring that into the conversation, knowing that like my heart is in the right place, even when I'm not communicating the best way that I am, what is coming up for me is what I need to see. And what is coming up for this other person is what they need to see. And yeah, I just feel like um, that's important to talk about it. Like, it's, it's not easy. It's not always. It's like the oh. hardest work
1: you'll probably do in your whole life. <laughs> like, okay. That's literally why, I mean, that's there are many reasons I made a career out of this work. Um, but that's one of them i was spending enough bloody time doing it myself might as well help other people with what i'm learning right like this is literally the stuff i sleep breathe read eat consume practice for years before i was like oh wait this is information i can share and teach people and it is like and that's why one of one of i think the best things anyone can do for themselves and their relationships and all the things is to learn tools, self-healing tools, they don't have to be hard, that's why I'm such a big proponent of tapping, and of breath work, to regulate your own nervous system.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, because like literally you can't act like a sane, logical human when you're triggered.
2: No. You can't.
1: And it's really hard, once you're triggered, to get back into that s- state. And so the more that you actually have a practice, and you can even invite it into When I've worked with um, clients who have conversations, who have issues of like, I can't talk to my partner. This this issue like that we're talking about of like, I've grown and now I'm different than my partner who I've committed to, what the hell do I do? Is so ubiquitous in the personal development world. It's so common. And I love that we're having this conversation because I think one of the biggest things is like, you guys just, A, you have to meet your person where they're at like, and you have to meet yourself where you're at. If you're the one who's changed and grown, it's not fair for you to sit there and be a spiritual bully, a personal development bully. I fell into that rabbit hole and be like, well, you're not good enough now. It's like, yo, they didn't change. You did. If you want to invite them to rise, beating them down is not going to work ever. But anyway, I do always tell like, Uh, clients who are in this space of, like, I can't communicate with my person, I wish they wanted more growth for themselves, whatever, to almost, like, create a protocol with their partner of when we feel ourselves getting triggered, one of the things is, like, using a safe word, of having a safe word of, like, when either of you feels the conversation going off the rails, you use this safe word, I recommend it be something silly, cause then you might laugh, but you use the safe word. And then all of a sudden, as soon as one person says the safe word, then you guys decide, okay, maybe that means we walk in the other room and we take like some time apart. Maybe it means you guys put on a song, the song you got married to or your favorite song and you guys slow dance together. Maybe it means you guys sit there and do some tapping and breathing. Maybe it means like whatever it means, but that kind of building a protocol. Cause as your, to your point, Chelsea, it's really freaking hard when three-year-old self, five-year-old self is like, but you suck. And I hate everything about you and you're wrong. And I must tell you, you are wrong and you're hurting me. When that is your reality, it's really hard to be like, and also I love you and hold up. Like, fuck, that's not going to, ha- that's not happening. Mm-hmm. And the more you set yourself up for success, When you're out of that moment by being like, okay, when one of us says grapefruit, that's the sign that we're going to, as triggered as we are, be like, okay, I hate you for saying grapefruit and I'm going to take 10 deep breaths. Yeah. I'm going to do some tapping. We're going to dance. We're going to like, whatever the thing is. Yeah of course, one potentially practical tool for anyone who is listening to take into your lives and your relationships.
0: Yeah. Be very, this is about being proactive and not reactive. Like it sounds so cliche, but it's so true. Um, like something that I've learned about myself is when I start to get into that triggered state, if it's like a small trigger, like you're annoying me right now and I can, and I start to like get snappy with you type of thing. Um, -hmm. if you just like, place your hand on my hand and remind me to like, let's take a deep breath together. However that looks right. That is something that is really simple. That's going to get me out of it and learning to communicate that with my husband and not feeling weird that like, I need that is like fine. Mm -hmm. Obviously we can source it within ourselves, but sometimes we don't even realize we've stepped into that state. So we need somebody there to like remind us, but when it's like one of those, those like big triggers, like whoo, I am my whole, my whole little girl's coming out ready to throw punches and kick you and all of the things. Um, That is something that I'm still learning how to navigate, still learning like what is it that I need to help me get out of that space and a lot of it is learning to walk away and learning to say, okay, this conversation's done for now, we'll come back later when we're both calm, cool, collected, whatever, you know, like it's just,
2: um,
0: yeah, so my, my question, my final two questions for you. If you could impart one, one piece of advice or wisdom for somebody who is really like going through the shit in their relationship, um,
2: what would that be? Hmm. I'm
1: always such a rebel when there's like, choose one thing. I'm like, I have 18. Um, I'm not going to do 18, but I'm going to do a two part answer. Okay. Um, because the first part is get in the practice of witnessing and discovering your patterns, Mm -hmm. your partner's patterns and your collective relationship patterns. Like what, Same fights, do you keep having? What are the things you say? You always XYZ, you never blah, blah, blah. Because the more you can become aware of those, those are really beautiful indicators of the underlying problem that needs to be addressed, both with you internally in your work, with your partner in their work, and you guys collectively as a unit. Those are just indicators of, like, okay, which little version of you which funky pattern that you learn from mom and dad, from society, from whoever, what's being replayed. Hmm. And so it's essentially like build an awareness practice so that you can witness what's happening. A lot of what that looks like is not like in the moment. At this point, like me and my husband, like our fights are like, frankly, really weird. Cause we're having like process conversations and talking about like what patterns are like, and I recognize I'm triggered right now. And this is my pattern. Like we fight very weird and like, I'm always like, we fight so well now (laughs) and we get like, but that's obviously not freaking normal. And we like burn things down to get here. Um, but a lot of what it looks like is like, do yourself the service of pausing six hours, 12 hours, 24 hours after the fight, after the pattern, after the trigger, and being like, okay, what happened there? Why am I so mad? What are, and you can like keep this diary of like what are all the things that are Mm -hmm. coming through. So that's like the awareness part of it, I think, is so key because that gives you your roadmap of like what needs to change. And the second piece, which is a sort of layer on, is I think it's so valuable to have a third party. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Whether that's a therapist, a coach who works with both of you, some kind of facilitator who works with both parties. Because a lot of what's happening is, like, in relationship breakdown is, like, you literally can't hear each other. You just can't communicate with each other. And that's really tough, especially when then there's, like, both of you have advice coming from all sides, and no one knows what to do, and his friends are saying this, and her friends are saying that, and, like, everyone's then just more triggered and more stressed. And when you're stressed, it shuts down your ability to, like, it shuts down your ability to be loving. It shuts down your ability to be compassionate. It shuts down your ability to be smart and logical. So the more you can be aware of your patterns and have this like almost third party, calm space to be like, okay, what I'm hearing from your partner is XYZ. If you guys have a close mutual friend, like spiritual advisor, whatever. um, That I cannot stress enough. And as I was talking, actually, I'm gonna share this. because if you're in, if you ever want to be in a relationship, ever read this book. It's called The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. John M. Gottman. He's a PhD. He does a lot, a lot of research. He's done a lot of research. Um, and even if you read like the first fifty or so pages of this book, um, he's got a lot of very well researched information about what causes relationship breakdown, based on a lot of empirical research. Um, and essentially like giving yourself A, these warning signs, and B, the awareness ultimately to then combat them. So yeah, said one, I gave you three. There you go.
0: Perfect. Yes. And I'll link the book in the show notes and I'm going to add that to my, my little list of long it's list of books, but fantastic. It's gonna be on the Easy top. read,
1: lots of exercises. It's a good one.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much. That was Beautiful, wonderful, and they definitely went together. They were coupled together very beautifully. Yes! Um. <laughs> one. Um, and then the last thing is, is if people want to find you, learn more about you, and what you do, and all that great stuff, where can we find you?
1: You can find me everywhere on the internet. Um, you can find me in Brooklyn, New York. If you're ever in New York, come to one of my classes. Um, but you can find me at chelsea.quint, that's Q-U-I-N-T, on Instagram, that's the main place I hang out, um, and then chelseaquint.com.
0: Perfect, and I will link those in the show notes so that you don't have to worry about spelling and all that good stuff. Um, I just want to say one last time, thank you so much for being here. It was such an honor to witness your your storytelling and to be in your energy and i'm just so grateful to call you a friend and a sister
1: healing is a mutual move so excited to get to share this and like just what a juicy conversation Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. it's so needed
0: thank you so much for tuning in to another beautiful episode of unearthing you if you are loving the show and find value in it I would be incredibly grateful if you head on over to iTunes to leave a review. Please feel free to leave any suggestions or questions in your review or send an email to hello at with any questions or guest suggestions. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll talk to you next time. Bye!